Oh man, what a world we're living in. Just when we thought we were out of the cloud of COVID, here we have this variant and just won't go away. Reminds me back then when the film Jaws came out, just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water. People asking, will we ever get back to normal? Or will it be a new norm? So please join me in this very relevant discussion. Back to school. Back to normal. As our children going back to school, we're all wondering, is it back to normal? And what does the future hold? Hi everyone, Simon Jacobson here, and we will be speaking about back to school, back to normal. This program is dedicated in loving memory of Ella Reitzena. You remember that film, Steven Spielberg, Jaws, which terrified beachgoers that summer and the tagline was, just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water. Just as we thought that the cloud and plague pandemic of COVID was leaving us, here we have a resurgent variant, deviation, mutation, all the different words used for this variance, delta whatever other name people are using. And the cloud is still with us. When you throw into the equation the political and the medical confusion and the finances involved, I mean, no one's really doing us a good service here. The uncertainty, how much of it is real, how much of it is it not real, Will it, how will it impact us? So there's this, this collective psychological, I would even say demoralization, but definitely psychological toll that it's taking on all of us. You want to plan an event. Will things go back to the way they were? People are terrified of the fact, just as our children are going back to school, back to regular routines. Will it be maintained? So that big question, are we going back to a normal world as it was pre-March 2020? And if not, what will the new norm look like? Are masks and vaccinations going to be with us indefinitely? The questions go on, and I don't want to list them all. Everybody knows what they are. I want to talk about this in a way how we can come out stronger and not be overwhelmed and demoralized by the situation.
So, in the classic style that I was trained in and taught, is we always have to ask ourselves the bigger question. Not just what are we going to do right now, how are we going to react, reactive, symptomatic, but getting to the root of things. That's the healthy approach, and that's when you can take control. You can't control the events around us, but you can completely control your attitude. But that requires not allowing yourself to be caught up in the fray and the back and forth and the wrangling and the arguments, the pro-vaxxers, the anti-vaxxers, the politicians pivoting for the next election. How much is finance involved? There's a lot of money involved. What does the medical community really think? To lift ourselves above all of that and to take control of our own inner lives and by extension the lives of our families, our children, friends, colleagues, and whoever we can reach. So let's go back to the big question. What is normal anyway? Just because we've been doing things for years doesn't make it normal. It just makes it routine. The real challenge we have is to challenge our very standards of normalcy. So there's actually a gift in all of this. Confusion. Though it may sound very disturbing, and destabilizing, and unnerving, but confusion allows us to challenge that which we considered to be a given. We had givens in our lives that we called normal. Initially, back in 2020, everyone was saying, okay, when are we getting back to normal? Another month, two months, three months. Then as things started to extend, what is the new normal going to look like? Will it be a combination? And I maintain then, and I maintain now, that this is how paradigm shifts happen. Instead of us treating it and behaving like victims, where you're just being swept away with the storms of the coronavirus, of the pandemic and its after effects, and under effects and over effects, and all the different collateral elements that are associated with it, we have a tremendous opportunity to ask ourselves what is normal, and you can now define your normal. Instead of it just being, okay, things were just rolling along, you know, we're on a merry-go-round, love life. Disruption allows us not just to reframe, but to revisit and recreate a better future. Without disruption, you can also do it, but it's much harder especially a collective disruption, a global one. After 9-11, the publisher of my book, Toward a Meaningful Life, asked me to add a new chapter. There were 30 chapters in the book until that point, and I added a a chapter called Change and Upheaval, or Upheaval and Change. And citing there, a fundamental principle in Kabbalistic and mystical thought, that between between two realities, every metamorphosis, every transition, a true metamorphosis and transition, always needs a void in between. The caterpillar will go into a chrysalis, a cocoon, 
as it's transformed into a butterfly. The seed will rot, deteriorate in the ground before it begins to sprout and blossom into a new sapling, to new growth, new vegetation. The mother will go through birth pain, birth pangs and pregnancy pain before giving birth to a new child. Different creatures shed one layer of skin to assume a new one. You melt down a raw piece of gold before you shape it into an ornament. And creativity is a child of frustration. As we grow and something new is emerging, there's always going to be, it's always going to be preceded by a state of confusion. You ever like research a topic, learning new ideas, and you get a lot of information. At some point, you feel completely overwhelmed with information. Where is this going to go? You can be more confused than before you gathered the information. And that's a good sign. Because that means you're really moving. If you were comfortable, then it's just an extension of the past. So that confusion, see it through. And then slowly, slowly, the dawn breaks. And a new light, a new awareness, a new clarity emerges. It's the rule of existence. Real change always will require that void in between. In Kabbalistic and Hasidic terminology, yesh, a state of being, a state of itness, giving birth to another state of itness, a new shift, a birth, a real birthing. So yesh and yesh, two states of itness, in between what they call the ayin. Ayin means literally nothingness, but it really is vacuum, a void. But it's not an empty void. It's the lifting and the shift from one reality to another, the paradigm shift. And that's a very uncomfortable place to be. I believe I shared this when I was a younger kid. I say younger, I try to stay young. So I remember in the bungalow colony, I had learned to swim. I was a pretty good swimmer in the in the swimming pool we had I was uh, under 10 years old maybe 8, 9 years old and I then wanted to dive I wanted to learn how to dive I saw some divers, the beautiful, the swan dive the swimmer's dive, the different dives I really wanted to dive it was a very nice diving board and I went on it and I'm going to dive I got to the edge, I couldn't jump some fear overtook, some irrational fear. Okay, fine. So then I tried, instead of the diving board, that was a little maybe too high, I'll stand at the edge of the pool and dive from there. No. I know you. then you start to go through all these little games you play with your mind. Okay, I'm going to count from 10, 10, 9, 8, 7. I refused to dive. I, couldn't, I wouldn't dive. Okay, I'll start from 100. You know how you go. All the procrastination tools. I'll do it after lunch. Tomorrow morning. Days went by. Summer went by. And I never ended up diving. The next summer I said, okay, once and for all, I'm going to do this. So I decided I came up with a new plan. Because I couldn't figure it out. What was going on? I was not afraid of the water. I swam in the water. So what's the big thing? Let's say I have a belly flop. You know, all those myths myths and urban legends that your stomach will tear open or something. I wasn't afraid of that. I don't know, something 
It didn't make sense. So I decided I'm going to sit at the edge of the pool, sit, not stand, and I'll just drop myself in. Just a drop. It's just a small little drop. Even that, I, had, I resisted. Until what happened? <laughs> a friend of mine snuck up behind me. As I was doing it, he just pushed me in. And you know what? I began diving after that. First from the edge, then from the, from the, from the diving board. And I never could figure out what is the reason that I had that fear until I learned this concept about the fear of the unknown. It's a theory. I've never verified it scientifically, but it's a theory. I had no problem being in the water. I was comfortable with the water. I was comfortable standing on the ground. But that split second when you're not on the ground and not in the water, some subconscious fear took over because it's a place you seem to be out of control. You know you're going to, in a moment later, be in the water, but that suspension, the ayin, not here, not there. That's my theory. But it's precisely the fear that is also the blessing. It's because there is a new paradigm entering. So firstly, we must know that. Being aware of that is already a big positive. I remember when I began writing for the first time, going back, I mean, I wrote in school, but I officially began a, being a writer, writing articles, writing transcripts. And I remember how difficult it was. I spent those days, was a typewriter in 1979, 78, typing on a typewriter, and balls of my first draft pages were right in the garbage can. I had a garbage can with 20, 30 balls of paper. You know, you roll it up. There was no, white, there was no word processor. So you retyped it, especially if it was the first page. And I remember my father, who was a journalist and a writer himself, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was so frustrated. And I said to my father, I said, I don't think I could do this. I think I took upon myself a responsibility that I'm just not capable of. And I just got to admit it. And he told me these words. He said, writing is always going to be difficult, even in 30, 40 years from now. The difference between now and then is then you will know you can do it. You can see it through. It's like running a marathon. It's foreboding initially. Can I run a 24-mile marathon? Or even less than that? Those that run marathons, even well-conditioned, have to, have to train and it's difficult. Every time it's difficult, but they know they can do it. So the first thing is to really know and clearly know that there's a vision and there's a light at the end of the tunnel and the light is not the headlights of the oncoming train. That there's truly a destination to be reached. The second thing is to have a vision of a bigger picture. So then you work toward it. And if it takes twists and turns or setbacks and confusion and frustrations and uncertainty, it's all part of the process. The storm strikes, the swimmer continues to swim but he knows how to navigate the waves, doesn't fight them. Sometimes you float. So bring it back to our situation. What has happened in the last year and a half has been a challenge to the norm of our lives. But who said that norm was necessarily a healthy norm? Maybe some of it was fine. Just because we're doing it, 
and we're comfortable, just because it's your comfort zone doesn't mean necessarily it's the best thing for you. So those who've been shaken up by it, some are just overwhelmed by that shakeup, or they can't handle it. So they need some escapism and denial or whatever it is that people do. But for those of us that recognize here we have something we cannot control this storm, but you can control your navigation of it, that this is truly the beginning of a new normal. In your home, in your personal life, in your home, in your work, in your entertainment, in every aspect, because this upheaval has disrupted every sector of society. Now, we definitely pray and hope our children go back to school. And we would love to go back. Everything should be the way it was. But I don't suggest that's necessarily a blessing. Why not be better than it was? Maybe actually change things. Maybe eliminate some things that we thought were necessary and we realized they're optional and we realized that we don't even need them. It's an excellent opportunity to revisit your entire life. Think of it this way. Imagine having your office, your desk, your papers, everything is in place. You come in every morning, you know exactly where everything is. But one day, whatever happens, there's a flood. Or some children got a hold of your office and the whole place was in disarray through the papers all over the filing cabinets and so on and so forth. It's very disorienting when you see that. Who did it? You get upset, you get angry. But this actually happened once in my office. And you can imagine, I have a lot of paper in my office. And it was done by a nephew of mine, just a wild little baby, no malicious intention, and just made a total mess. My brother's son. My brother was sitting in a meeting with me, we were discussing something, and he was like very apologetic. And I stepped back, I didn't even have one tinge, maybe initially I was... And I said, I started laughing. I said, thank God. I never know, <laughs> I would never made order in my office. Now I can go look at it and see what papers I need and what I don't need. This way you just let it all sit there. Now, of course, no one likes the extra time now I have to spend and start collecting and gathering and finding things that are important. But very often it's the push that you don't want, but that opens up new vistas. I submit that one of the fears is that we don't know what's on the other side because we've not worked on a vision of our lives. We became victims even of our comfort zone, not just of the disruption. And as such, we don't want our comfort zones tampered with. And because we may not have a picture of the tomorrow, all this is very disorienting, very unnerving. So my response to that is, don't remain trapped there. Develop a vision. Develop a future. Why shouldn't you? You deserve it. Why shouldn't you be able to sit down and say, with yourself, with your spouse, with your family, children, let us use this opportunity to identify or rewrite the script of our lives. What are our bigger goals? What would we like to achieve? This is now the good time for that. 
Now the truth is a year ago was also a good time. But as this now continues to linger, you can either listen to the crazy news and every day, can I do an indoor event? Can I travel? What's going to be with this? What's going to be with that? The winter is coming. Well, the autumn and then the winter. Instead of reacting and being victimized by all the circumstances, a product or victim of circumstances, it's time to put all that aside, shut the media down, and sit down and figure out what do you stand for? You were given a blessing called life. Every day is a new blessing. Every moment is a new blessing. You're blessed with many gifts. What do I stand for? What are my values? What do I want to accomplish in this world? When things are going normally, we don't ask those questions because we just go with the flow. It's when there's a setback or a challenge to our very norms that we have this great opportunity. I assure you, you do that, you will have your personal paradigm shift. So though, yes, immediately the reaction is a very disturbing one. Are we going back to normal? Doesn't seem so. Forget about the word normal. Maybe that normal is not the best normal for you. Think out of the box. No one made that normal of two years ago, the divine absolute truth of reality or in all realities. Create a new norm. Yes, obviously we need to be prudent and follow guidelines and listen to our medical ex experts, even though there are many different contradictions. That's another discussion which I don't want to go into right now. But above all, your spirit is in your control. Your attitude, your perspective, and your paradigm. This two, last year and a half has changed my paradigm. Not my mission, because I was always involved in the same mission. But I've seen now, as we've all seen, a certain vulnerability, receptivity, a need. The human spirit is in deep need, always in deep need, but now more than ever, because when you have all these things to hold on to, they become your, your crutches. But when you lose some of them, or they're not available, or they're not secure and reliable, you need to find something deeper. And you have everything right here inside you. The challenge is to figure out what, you, what is your vision and your mission and then discover the resources that you have already within you. To do so effectively, it's always good to have a friend, a mentor, a person that can help you, because sometimes our own subjective myopic vision doesn't allow us to see outside of the haze. But as well to learn and discover about your own very soul. In the last months, or maybe year, I've been talking a lot about entering your spiritual spa, just like a human body, a physical body, needs comfort, relaxation, massage. We go to a spa. So does your soul also need the same on a spiritual level. So spiritual spa, spa is an acronym, study, prayer, action. Cognitive, emotional, and behavioral conditioning. Those are the three main conscious forces that you can control. 
cognitive is mindset, to put your mind in the right place, to think about these shifts, these disruptions, and put contextualize it in proper perspective, that it's a void or a confusion before a new growth manifests. Emotional conditioning, P for prayer, where we speak from our hearts, emotional. Because your mind can understand it, but your emotions can still be fearful, tentative, frightened. So your emotions is getting your emotions in the right place. Surround yourself with people that love you and you love them. Do things that you are passionate and loving and, and love. Cultivate, feed, nourish your heart and your feelings and your emotions. Express love by giving, showing gratitude. Anything that exercises that part of your, that emotional part of your life and your psyche. And then comes behavioral. The mind, the heart, the emotions. Behavioral, bring it into action. Real action. Every day do something that you have not done the day before. It can be sending a beautiful message to friends or strangers. It can be giving a little charity extra. It could be visiting the sick, volunteering for a good project. I assure you, immerse your soul in your spa, in the spiritual spa of your life with the cognitive study, the emotional prayer, and the behavioral action that this gives you navigational tools to get through any situation, including even disruptive ones and uncertainty because these things are certain. The, the, your own inner conditioning, your own inner spa, where you immerse your mind, your heart, and your actions. Every day, make sure you do something. It could be five minutes a day for the mind, the heart, emotions, and actions. Obviously, there's much more that can be done and many more things that can be suggested. So, my dear friends, as our children go back to school, or in general, not just our children, adults as well, students, new semester, new school season, we don't have to go back to normal. No, we don't. We want to create a better and greater normal. That's what true growth is. Anyone that's growing doesn't want, is not satisfied and does not want to just return to yesterday's achievements. You want something new. Yes, we don't want it to be disturbing. We don't want it to be disruptive to the point where we can't function. But we need to see disruption as a springboard that catapults us, a catalyst toward new horizons, greater possibilities, and for that, we need to believe in ourselves and believe in our soul's capacity and those resources that we have within us. So both an individual level and a collective level and a familial and our family level and work level, we can create a better and greater norm. And the truth is, norm, normal in general sounds so nice and calm, but we also need a little craziness too in our lives. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean craziness that is uh, demoralizing. 
we need to go out of the box. We all need a certain sense of adventure, spontaneity, unpredictability. And again, a healthy way. So the word normal is also not necessarily our limit. In the words of the Hasidic masters, you always want to take the normal and reach a place that's super normal. Not ab and not below par, but super normal. Like super conscious. To get out of the structure and go beyond. Beyond yourself, beyond your natural means. Beyond your normal to going beyond. I want more than your normal. I want your greatness, your excellence. At the same time, we wanted to contain it and we wanted to be able to integrate with our lives that our very routines, our very normal becomes beyond normal. Where the natural becomes supernatural. Where the ordinary becomes extraordinary. And that's completely possible. Because the extraordinary lies right within the ordinary. You just need to look for it. As the Baal Shem Tov, the great mystic, whose birthday is actually this week, on the 18th of Elul, says that the difference between a miracle and a natural event, we'll call it a normal event and that which is beyond normal, is only frequency. If the sun were to rise once in our lifetimes, everybody would be coming running out. Look at this ball in the horizon. You'd have camera crews, families watching. You ever see a solar eclipse? Especially a complete one, how people come. But since the sun rises every morning, ah, it'll happen tomorrow again. Does that make it less of a miracle? No. It means we need a novelty. We need something, a fresh, fresh air. But the miracles are happening because the extraordinary is within the ordinary all the time. Every time a healthy child is born. Every breath you take. There's no detail in life when you don't think about it that isn't sound, isn't miraculous. But that requires attention. It requires a cognitive focus. And an emotional focus. And a behavioral focus. And then we discover the miracles. The extraordinary within the ordinary. The beyond normal within the normal. That's what we're seeking. And situations like now, when there's disruption, when there's unknowns, and unpredictabilities, allows us, because it challenges our status quo, our quotidian, and allows us to reach the heavens and beyond. Simon Jacobson here, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, where we have a full array of offerings to help you live a more meaningful life, to help you find that inner soul mission that allows us to ride the waves, to navigate through any challenges. So please, check out MeaningfulLife.com. This program is part of many different programs that we do every week, 15 new programs every week, literally. Please benefit, take advantage of them. Share, like, subscribe, pass it on. We love your suggestions and thoughts. And in every possible way, let's join together. We always can use your support on all levels. Moral support, spiritual support, psychological support, and of course, monetary and financial support. And we hope we also reciprocate and give more than we receive. We're all part of one greater reality. It's a gift to be alive. It's a gift to be able to be here and to ride these waves. Stay healthy, my friends. Stay well. 
and above all, become the best you can possibly be. And we're here to help you, and you help us along this beautiful journey. Thank you very much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.